Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, a show that shares stories to help you become an educated sport card investor and maximize those gains. I am Brett McGrath, B2B marketer, sports card investor, and professional wrestling fan. Sports are back, baby. That's what I'm talking about. I am so fired up. I've been watching basketball scrimmages nonstop, and I don't care if they don't count, because as Jordan from Sports Card Analytics said, I just want to watch someone dribble a basketball, and that is what we're doing. And all you baseball people who are fired up about the MLB, cheers to you. Guys are dropping bombs. People are buying cards. The market is absolutely insane. And that's what we have to expect right now. Strap in. Don't do what everyone else is doing. Turn left when the market is going right. We're going to have to be nimble. We're going to have to be aware. We're going to have to find opportunities. But that's what makes this thing so damn fun, connecting sports And sports cards, baby, I am getting juiced and we're just getting going here. This episode is episode 27. Can you believe that? I cannot. This is incredible. I am having so much fun. The community around Stacking Slabs is building. We are making it happen. You are giving me feedback and it's been so exciting. I got to tell you, I've been getting a lot of questions just around the narrative about people in the hobby who are creating content, and it's gaining traction. It's gaining legs. I'm hearing it discussed, not just on my platform, but others. So that's something I certainly want to address in the back half of this conversation today. I think there's so much going on. People are trying to pick and choose spots. I think my professional background and expertise is around content creation, studying markets. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you, take a little, uh, let you all take a little peek behind the curtain and explain to you the process that I have gone through in order to build, create messaging, and launch stacking slabs. I think it's really important to be transparent so you all know what I am doing and why I'm doing it. And a lot of that will get into conversations about um, some of the operations of other content creators in the game. There are people that are doing bad, yes, not good stuff. And I'm not going to get into calling those people out and naming those names. There is an amazing creator, um, and he was on this show. His name is Andy Eisman. He's a sports card investigator. That is his mission. That is his goal. He is sinking his teeth in, and he is digging in, and he's going to call those bad actors out. But I think one of the things specifically I've been getting a ton of questions on, sliding into my DMs on a regular basis, and I feel compelled at this point to address it and talk about it on this show, is the question, hey, Brett, what do you think of Jeff from Sports Card Investor. I'm going to share those thoughts. I was a member of Jeff's program, and I'm going to just share my thoughts on why I was a member of Jeff's program, what I think about Jeff. I think at the end of the day, I don't think he is a bad actor. I think he has got intentions. He's trying to run his business, but I'm going to share some perspective there. So if you want to hear my thoughts on Sports Card Investor, what Jeff's doing, and also what people who are doing bad in the hobby are doing, um, leave that at the final or at the end of the episode. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that a lot. But let's get started with sports. Come on, baby. I can't tell you. You got to make sure if you're married or you're going to be married 
Make sure that person, whether it's a guy or a gal, understands your passion for professional sports or collegiate sports, whatever it is. But they make sure that you have time to sit in front of the couch and stare and look at stats. And I got to shout out my wife. We were got both got done with our busy work week and we were going out to dinner and she before we went to go grab dinner right right close to us um she said you want to watch a movie tonight and i thought about it i was like oh i don't know and then before i could try to come up with a rebuttal she said ah the nba is back i know you're watching these scrimmages you can watch those games we can watch a movie some other time and i said thank you babe i love you and so that's what I've been doing. I got to tell you, I've been obsessed. I have been watching hoops nonstop since it's gone on. I think it all starts with a huge moment and something that's taken the hobby by storm. I was sitting and working upstairs, uh, the stacking slabs HQ, when I realized, oh man, we got some hoops to watch. So I ran downstairs in front of our TV, had my work computer going on. I was working, but there was hoops going on. And what did I, the first game that I I watched was Denver versus Washington. And oh boy, did we get a lot of uh, buzz out of that one. So that was the bowl bowl game where the market went nuts. And I think, you know, honestly, from my perspective at the highest level, it was the perfect storm. It was the perfect storm of a player that people in the hobby knew people had opinions on People were holding. Some people said, I don't like Bull Bull. Um, but anyways, it was his first time stepping on the court and he delivered. I mean, you got to shout out and got to give credit to Bull Bull for in that moment, balling out and showing that he has some game and some game that can fit within the NBA framework. Now, I will say this to everyone. Be very, very careful. And the reason why you need to be very, very careful is we can't make big purchase decisions based on what's happening at a scrimmage, okay? So these games, while they're fun to watch and people are scoring, there's really, it, it's rough. people are rusty. Um, Bull Bull, I watched the whole game. I watched Bull Bull the entire game. There wasn't much defense on Bull Bull. Part of the reason why there wasn't a lot of defense on Bull Bull, there's no film on Bull Bull. So there's, there's no frame of how we guard this guy. I mean, he was, you know, at the top, he was running the floor. I mean, he was all over the place, which is really great. And But I think we should all taper our expectations that Bull Bull is the next coming of Giannis. I think that's not how we should be thinking about it. But, you know, there are opportunities because this is going to come up. And I'm certainly going to talk about some of my opportunities and what I did in reaction of this, but man, it was just a leading indication of how insane the market is. Some other games that I can comment on that I watched, of course, I watched the Pacers versus the Blazers. I will say, man, I'm bummed about DeMontis Sabonis. He's really been the heartbeat, the all-star on the Pacers this team this year. He, you know, came down with turf toe and uh, plantar fasciitis is a brutal injury. If anyone's gone through it, they know you can hardly walk. When I heard he had that, I was not feeling good about his situation. He has left the bubble, and so that leaves a lot of holes for the Indiana Pacers team. It's funny. It's been, him and Victor have been on the seesaw 
seems like when one plays, the other doesn't, and it's just unfortunate. The fortunate thing about the Indiana Pacers is very well-coached team. Love Nate McMillan and what he's been doing, aligning the team, especially when adversity hits and Victor's been out. They win games, but they're deep. So I think, you know, who knows how long the Sabonis injury is going to be. Um, I'm anticipating long, and it's going to be drawn out because it's a tough injury to get um, to, to recover from. Um, but I think it opens the door for players. I will share my perspective. I am not a huge TJ Lee fan. I just, you know, I think he's missing some um, ingredients to be a highly productive player. But I think that opens the door potentially for a young gun rookie like Goga Batatze. It is Batatze. I know I hear for the last six months I've been in breakers rooms and I've seen uh, Batatze said a million different ways, which no doubt it's a tough name. I say names wrong, but Goga Batatze. People in the the front uh, offices around the GM when the Pacers selected them when they did said this is the steal of the draft. We in Indiana have not seen a ton from him on the floor, but he has shown flashes. I think he's super raw, but man, he's a big. He can run the floor and he you know can knock down his free free throws. He's very athletic. So I'm hoping we get some uh, super young too. But I'm hoping we get some Goga action. But the encouraging thing in that game, I think one Dame Lillard. Good Lord, he's just so good. I think the Blazers, you know, I know they're a few games out right now, but I could see them sneaking into the playoffs. You know, they're going to have to fight off Memphis, but man, Dame Lillard, it's hard to imagine him not in the playoffs with how talented he is and CJ McCollum. And, um, you know, there's a lot, lot to like on the Blazers. I think Carmelo has slimmed down a little bit. So I'd look for the Blazers to make a little bit of a run. Um, Pacers, I was nervous. I'm like, Aaron, Holiday, please deliver something. I've been talking so much about you. Holiday looked great. He was gunning. I think he ended up with 13 points, hit a couple threes. His brother balled out. So I, I Aaron Holiday, I still like and still see a lot of opportunity in there. Just breezing through some other games I watched. Boston versus OKC. Couple quick observations. Jason Tatum, gosh, he's just amazing to watch. So much freaking fun. That Boston team is loaded. I've been, they didn't have Kimba in this game, but man, they are loaded. So much fun. Tatum's a beast. He's just, I, I can't wait to see him in competitive play. I think on the other side of that, Chris Paul, man, he is one of the last true court generals in the NBA. His game management and control of the pace of the game, you don't see that too much anymore. So there's a lot of emphasis on just scoring, running the floor. But man, Chris Paul, when he's got the ball, he was in control. So I think, you know, with that, um, Shea Gilders Alexander, he's a star in the making. He, I think plus minus was 10 when he was in the game. Um, He looked great. He, God, I love how he is a guard and can play around the rim. Um, He's just so much fun. So he, it's fun watching stars, uh, stars um, blooming and that he is certainly one. Lakers, Mavericks. I mean, there you go. I think, I'm not. I'm going to save the superstar talk in that game and just shout out one thing that I saw in that game that I really like is THT, uh, Talon Horton Tucker, is somebody that I've had my eye on for some time. He showed up to the bubble in very, very good shape. He lost some weight after a very productive G League. I think he his limp minutes, it's going to be hard for him to get minutes, but I think just long-term, he's a guy that he is going to 
do the dirty work on that Lakers team. I like him a lot. I just watching him. I like the way he moves. I like how he is just swarming to the ball. It seems like he is just doing the cleanup work and he looked really, really good. I liked him enough that after I saw him, I went on Starstock and I bought a bunch of THT just to put in Starstock. I think that's the benefit of having a platform like that. Let's go Phoenix, Utah. Big thing for me was Cam Johnson. I think I was focused on him. His plus minus, I think, was 17 points. So there's a lot to like about him. I don't think Phoenix is going to play past these you know, eight games, but I think he is someone we should all be focusing on and seeing him uh, grow through these games. But he's got a lot of talent and there's um, you know, a lot of potential that, that Phoenix team is there's, they're fun to watch. And I think I'm going to be excited about digging into them. Um, as we continue to move Grizz Sixers, John Morant, man, he's ridiculous. The one thing I will give some Philly love. Everybody saw, um, Ben Simmons knock down that three. Oh my goodness. I couldn't believe it. I will say I did a, uh, Instagram live stream just randomly this week with Andy from Sports Card Investigator. He's a Philly guy and he was kind of giving me some stuff for always knocking Philly. All lighthearted and good fun. But my comment to him was I think, you know, the the move of Ben Simmons to four is the right move. And I think we're already seeing some of that. So Embiid and and uh Simmons, man, on the block, down low, moving outside, that's tough to handle. So I think there is a lot to like with some of those changes that's happening in Philadelphia. And then finally, the last game I had watched was Rockets and Raptors in the punchline. There is James Harden still likes to shoot the basketball. Man, he was putting up points in droves. That guy is just unbelievable. He uh, He's not scared to shoot. Um, and I think this like this mentality in this you know bubble where you've got like, balls to the wall, no limit, like a team like the Rockets with Russ and with James Harden and the way they play, they're like, the way I read them is they like, they're gunners, they run the floor, they built their team around them to be able to run the floor with them, score points at a high volume, maybe not play the best defense, but just continue to run it. And I think in this situation, the team seems to be trend and win a bunch of games and they lose a bunch of games. Well, this they might hit it on the, the right side where they just like are just outpacing everybody and that can allow them to advance a little bit in the playoffs. So I think the Rockets are a super interesting team to follow um, that not a ton of people are talking about um, when we are uh, looking at these bubble situations. But Bull Bull, all right, let's talk about Bull Bull a little bit. So I sent a tweet out and basically my tweet said, I'm selling all of my bull bull to buy a Luca. I'm not kidding. And I wasn't kidding. And that's how crazy it is. And I looked when bull bull balled out, I did what all of you probably did or hope you did. If you have them is go run upstairs, go find my box of rookies under my futon, just siphon through it and pull all the bull bulls. I had, I think, Three Donruss rated rookies. I had an optic. I had a purple hollow. I had a mosaic and I had a, the coveted silver prism. 
And I immediately organized them, took a shot, threw it up on eBay, and I put it, I analyzed what had happened in a short amount of time in the market, put it up for $200, put a best offer on there, um, went to bed, woke up with the deal closed. There was no offer even made. It was bought for full price, $200, and it blew my freaking mind. And I think the mentality is that like we need to talk about, about Bull Bull and the situation is that I am not selling my Bull Bull because I don't like Bull Bull. The jury is still out in Bull Bull. And if I see his prices raised to a certain point, like they did this week, I'm selling because I would rather have that money to put into a card like a Luca, like a LeBron. Like that's to me way more valuable and way less risky than trying to figure out if Bull Bull progresses to be, you know, the next big thing in the hobby. He certainly could. I like what I saw from him, but the situation for which he did it, it was a scrimmage game. So I think that's something that like we can all sell our Bull Bull, but also all like Bull Bull. I think that is something no one's talking about. And that's completely fair. I my eyes are open on watching him move and watching what he might be able to fit in and do in that Denver team. I will say there it, Michael Porter Jr is back on the floor. It looks like he's practicing which would limit time from a bull bull. Um they can they can certainly coexist, but I think we all need to make these uh observations of the team, the player and the situation. And just be honest with ourselves. And if you've got Bull Bull and you want to hang on to him, do it. Like, that's fine. Like, if you believe on him or have been a believer. And I'll say this. I was thinking about this this week when Bull Bull went off. I said, Brett, if this was Sekou Demboye and this was the Pistons and he had 30 and 10, was a superstar, what would you have done? And I, like, reflected on that. And... It was a really hard process for me to go through. And I, my heart went out to everyone who felt like I feel about Seku with Bull Bull, because I'm sure they're in a tough spot. And so I think it is like we just need to all, we all need to really know that we're all in different situations and we need to respect that from everyone. I think we got to understand that that was a glorified practice. We got, I mean, there's all these things to take into consideration. So I think the punchline on bull bull for me is got to be nimble, got to be adaptable. You got to get your rookies ready. Unprecedented times calls for an unprecedented market. And that's just the way you got to look at it. The other thing that I've been very focused on this week in just terms of selling in this market is that if, you are going to get a two to three times return on your cards and there's someone you're not attached to in a while, it's probably a better decision to sell those guys. And the reason is, is because it is very difficult to forecast these guys making a finals, MVP, all-star appearance, injuries happen. And I think This is something for me that when I made a lot of my purchases, I certainly got into this mode of, well, like maybe I'm going to buy these guys and his prices will go up if, um, you know, they make the finals, even though, you know, even though they're the third guy on the team, yada, yada, yada. And I just like, I've, I've kind of pulled back on that and my mentality has, has been more recently. It's, it's been more focused around, all right, these guys 
I have no intention of holding on to these guys forever. These are the types of guys that I can make money off of right now. So why wouldn't I do that? And the easiest way for me to look at that is one, look at, is it two or three X return right now? Can I get that? I should probably, you know, strongly consider selling. And then two, think about when I set out, when you set out to buy these cards, what was that price point on that forecasted event that was going to happen? And if the price on the current market is anywhere close to that, then, you know, you should go sell. So I did that this week with a couple cards, and I'll talk about that later in the show. Greed is very, very powerful. I will tell you in the hobby, greed is very, very powerful, and you do not want to get stuck on the bad side of it. And so I think a couple things I've heard this week that I think is really sound and really smart is, and this was on uh, Wax Museum's podcast, Kyle talking about, which he usually doesn't get into this analysis, but he was talking about, he said, he said, you know, um, you know, don't go chasing peak. And I think that's really good. And that's something we should all um, consider as we're moving forward during this period of time. Bang. Hopefully you guys are all getting fueled up by bang. It's, it's potent brain fuel, baby. And I think there's no crash on it. And it's really great. I know. Shout out to everyone who's been getting at me, who's been excited about Bang. Everyone's trying new flavors, and I love it. We're starting to all rally around Bang and its place in our daily workflow. I am saving my Bang for later today. So I'm drinking coffee right now, but it's okay to drink coffee and shout out Bang. I think that's completely acceptable. But I want to specifically call out a flavor that when I was on Bang early on, I was all about it and forgot about it because I got so stuck on um, Star Blast. And now I am back on Rainbow Unicorn. So Rainbow Unicorn has entered the rotation and man, it is a tasty treat and I love it. So I've been all on Rainbow Unicorn. I've got one stashed away in the fridge. I am waiting to pop that baby later in the afternoon, get that fuel running coursing through my veins and get ready to rock and get ready to go. I love attacking the hobby on Saturday night. There's so much fun. There's so much going on. So let's go. I think a couple thoughts here. I think, you know, I, I love card ladder. I, 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 I want to write a love letter to the card ladder team. They are just so cool and so awesome. And they listen, they listen to what, their users are saying and updates and improvements and cards that we want added. I started adding my collection to Card Ladder this week, and that snapshot is just so much fun to look at. And it is when you bought it, where it's at now, and it's just so cool. And I love it. So I encourage everyone go check out Card Ladder. It is the best product that has entered my rotation since I've been at back in the hobby. It is created and made by really great people that I believe in. And I'm so excited for Card Ladder to continue to grow. It has a spot in the hobby. It's super important. And I talked about this, but like the newsfeed, it's my favorite part. It is something that I enjoy looking at when I wake up every day to get that insight. And that's some insight that I'm going to share on Stacking Slabs. And I will reference where it came from, but it's so good. There's some stuff later on in the episode that I'm going to talk about, but 
I'm excited, excited about what they're doing and you should be too. I have a massive PSA sub that I'm working through. This is one of the things that I've realized is not so much fun in the hobby. I am trying to get a bunch of football cards that I have been buying up to PSA to get graded in time to get these cards back. Hopefully at some point when football is happening, who knows about that? So I've been navigating avenues on some suburbs and trying to figure out my best plan of attack. I'm partnering with my brother on this sub, but I've gone back and forth so many times with cards I want, different service levels. It's not easy and it gives me anxiety. And I I wish I wish this was an easier process and the decisions were easy. It just really, really sucks that I just don't know when I'm going to get my cards back. And that's the part that really, really hurts. And I know everyone is feeling the pain of that. And I'm hoping that we can get some solutions around, you know, the submission process here in the near future. I do understand unprecedented times leads to, you know, backlogs and this and that, but that's something I'd really like to see um, smart people in the hobby think of ways that we can, you know, improve this process because it's a need and it's something that really, really needs to get improved. All right. So I hope you all enjoyed Jordan coming on from Sports Card Analytics last week. It's a good, good episode. I shot him a note Friday night and said, hey, man, congrats and thank you. Um, this was my number one da- most downloaded show in day one. And I'm glad that it is because I think I enjoy chatting with Jordan. I think we, it was a super casual conversation. We talk sports and we talk about cards and opportunities. If you didn't get a chance to hear that, definitely go back to it. I'm very, very excited about um, what we're doing and what we were talking about. In fact, I like it so much that Jordan will be on for a part two this Friday. So Friday episode is a part two. So much happening in the NBA, and there was so much we had left to talk about. Specifically, Bull Bull. Him and I were back and forth on Bull Bull. You're going to want to hear his Bull Bull a lot, and I'm excited to hear what it ends up going for. But we're going to chop up Bull Bull. We're going to chop up the bubble. Uh, maybe dive into a little football stuff. I know he's been following baseball closely in the market, so we're gonna we're gonna chop it up. So definitely, if you liked the last episode, you're not gonna want to miss Friday. And by the way, thank you to everyone out there who's telling their friends about stacking slabs. The show is growing each and every week. There's more downloads, more people listening. I'm getting more feedback than ever, and this is all because. You all are enjoying the show and you're telling your friends. And I can't tell you how excited that makes me. And I've gotten so many messages this week on what I'm doing and people telling me that there's a place in the hobby and how much they appreciate this show. And I got to tell you, it, I got a little uh, little uh, choked up a little bit this week on some of the notes. They were so nice. Um, I even shared some of them with my wife while we were uh, at dinner and it, and. Those are the types of things that matter. Um, I spend a lot of time focused on this, and I do it because I believe in what I'm doing, and my hope and in my intentions in stacking slabs is that it means something to somebody else, and it's helping someone somebody else. And there's always this conversation around building communities and doing this. It's like, 
I really, really feel that what we're doing here is building a community around what were ways that we can help each other out and observations that we're making. And it's so much damn fun. And I have all of you to thank for that. So keep sending me notes. Let's keep thinking of ways that we can make this hobby better. There's so many other good groups in this hobby, and I am so happy you're spending time out of your week to listen to what I have to say and what my guests have to say about what's happening in the hobby. Remember, if you haven't yet, and you've been a long-time listener, or even if you're a first-time listener of Stacking Slabs, make sure you hit that freaking subscribe button. Pound that thing. That matters to me. That's helpful. If you would be so kind and you like what you're hearing here, drop me a review. I do appreciate that. I read those every week. Um, Those are important, and those mean a lot to me. And if you've written one, thank you so much. That is awesome. But also, follow me on all of those social channels that you're on. I will say I set out on a quest to check out TikTok a couple months ago because I didn't want to go all in on a YouTube show. That was already happening. I wanted to focus on audio, but I wanted a video or video components that I could create micro content and distribute through other social channels. So I joined TikTok and I got to tell you, I'm having a blast. And I looked at the numbers this week and I was like, holy cow, I'm getting close. And this week it happened. I reached the over a thousand follower threshold. Now I can go live on TikTok. I have not thought about that yet, but I'm really excited about the growth of stacking slabs on that platform. I use it to just do quick hits, talk about things that are happening. I use it from a a satirical perspective a lot. But yeah, if if you're on TikTok and you haven't followed me already, uh, hit follow, slide in the DMs, tell me you listen to Stacking Slabs. I will hit that follow button back each and every damn time. So thank you so much. All right, I got actually, oh, I know what I'm going to talk about first. Actually, yeah, let me do this first. So I got a question this week that I thought was so great that, and I told, I asked the, person who gave me the question on Instagram, if I could use it on the show. And they said, absolutely. So shout out to the case hit hunter on Instagram. What a handle, by the way, Um, the case hit hunter. And he said, Hey man, love your content. You are an asset in the industry. Thanks. Case hit hunter wanted to ask your opinion on something. You think it makes sense to stock up on last year's Redskins rookie crop Haskins and McLaren considering it is their first and only card that will have the Redskins logo on it. Go left when everyone goes right. Am I right? First of all, Case Hit Hunter, you pull at my tug, you tug at my heartstrings there by using the uh, go, uh, go left when everyone goes right catchphrase. So of course, that's how you get someone's attention, everybody. Use their catchphrases back to them and then, then that person will talk about him. So I thought this was an excellent question. It was something I had not considered and I hadn't talked about. My response, and this is what I, how I'm thinking about it, is I think, yes, those could have value. That The fact that those are the only time they're Redskins, that could, that could have some weight. My perspective, what matters more, though, is the players and their long-term growth and success in the hobby. And my perspective on those two players are this. I think jury's still out on... Do- Ironically, you know, both of them played together in college at Ohio State. And I think Haskins, 
you know, the jury's still out. He looked lost last year. I know it wasn't a great situation from a coaching perspective for him. Um, he's going to need to show some more things in year two for me to get excited about Dwayne Haskins' cards. Terry McLaurin, yes, all day long, twice on Sunday. I love Scary Terry. I love him. I've talked about this. Scary Terry is a proud graduate of the Cathedral High School in Indianapolis, Indiana, where I graduated from. Got a lot of state titles there. We have a lot. Um, uh, it is an amazing football tradition. It is just near and dear to my heart. And Terry went on to win Mr. Football at his time at Cathedral, then took those skills over to Ohio State. There was a lot of flash at Ohio State while he was there. Um, he always did his job, did kind of little, stayed on the radar a little bit. Um, you know, you had guys like, you know, Paris Campbell that was catching touchdowns, the list goes on. But I think what Terry did in year one with a shaky quarterback situation was something we should all take note of. I think, you know, hopefully there's some synergy where between him and Haskins from college that translates back to this year. I think that's something to look at. But the other thing is, is I think, you know, if things don't work out with Haskins, you got to look at Kyle Allen too, because Riverboat Ron brought Kyle Allen from. Carolina with him to Washington, which is something that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about, but something to take note of that. I think Terry, it doesn't matter at this point. He is a baller. He showed me so many things that he's one of those guys that's flying under the radar a little bit. So I like Terry McLaren inside and outside the Redskins logo branding situation. Okay, content shout outs. Let's go. Got a shout out the crossover with Josh from Cardboard Chronicles and Chris from House of Jordans and Ladder. They are doing an awesome hour live stream every Friday night. East Coasters, I will be, I will warn you, it is a little late. It is at midnight, but it's Friday night. So it's for me, it's must-see hobby viewing. It was rocking this past week. I loved it. It was a great conversation. There were so many things that I talk about on Stacking Slabs that people were chatting about that Josh and Chris were um, chopping it up. I got a shout out, and I feel bad I haven't done this enough, but I'm going to shout out Christina. Christina, obviously, on the House of Jordans and Card Ladder team. She's in there in the chat, you know, moderating everything happening. It's just a well-oiled machine. But, man, that was fun. That's how I stayed up until midnight. I chatted. With everyone, we were having fun. We were just making jokes and talking about the hobby perspectives. Honestly, it was one of the most fun I've had in a long time. So that is something that is going to be must-see viewing for me moving forward. Check out on Instagram every Friday at midnight Eastern, the crossover. It's great stuff. Check out Josh's or Jordan's stuff um, at Sport Card Analytics. I got to say, man, he's got something going with his channel. It's really funny. He dropped an episode this week, purely satirical, about, you know, 100 subscribers, and he got into investing in cards that might or might not be serious. I'm not going to, no spoilers, go run to his channel. I got a couple texts about it of people busted up about it. I laughed when I saw it. I think he's making really, really good content that has a fit and a place. 
sports card investigator. Gotta go check his stuff out. Um, he is setting the stage right now for letting people know who the bad actors are. There's a lot of shady business. I'm gonna address that, but I'm that's something I can observe and I can go let um Andy do his thing. But he's gonna be that's a platform you're gonna all want to look out for if you want to figure out who the bad actors are. He's gonna be talking about that real, real soon. Let's talk about pro graps. All right, so AEW Dynamite on Wednesday nights every week is must-see television for me. It's my number one show. I love it. And I got to say, this week was just, a, they're just killing it. It This week reminded me so much of just the passion and love I had for the ECW brand back in its infancy and his, his early days when I was growing up. They, they build an audience and the, the audience that they built were was around people that were so sick of what these big brands and big stream promotions were feeding their audience, and they were an alternative. And so I can get behind that because I feel like I'm an alternative with stacking slabs. And so AEW this week, there was just craziness happening. I mean, and it reminded me a lot of old school ECW. And the one match I'll call out that if you've Got to see one thing. You got to go watch the Young Bucks, who are the best tag team in the biz, baby. They took on Butcher and the Blade in a backstage backlot, false count anywhere brawl. Go look it up. Man, those guys, I don't know. They, they had to have been hurt bad after that. But boy, what a match. So exciting. I was at, it got goosebumps. I was out of my seat. So much fun. Go check out AEW Dynamite. Hope you all enjoyed those playlists that I made uh, around Black Lives Matter. I think it was so much fun building those out that I'm still in the process of consuming all of those those playlists and it's so much fun and I've gotten feedback on those. So go check those out in the show notes of the last three episodes if you haven't already. One album that I want to shout out this week is the new My Morning Jacket Waterfall 2 record. Shout out My Morning Jacket. I've been a fan, never a massive fan. I've seen my my MMJ in concert. They're all I'm they're the type of band that I'm way more a fan of them live than I am their studio. But boy, this studio album that they dropped, it's blowing my mind. I can't stop listening to it. Run it, track on the back half of that record. Man, there's just piano, there's some guitar. It's just, it's borderline the perfect song. So if you're looking for some new tunes, go check out MMJ. All right, here's some card ladder data that I thought was worth sharing with the Stacking Slabs Nation. So this got me thinking, and that's what I love about content that like card ladders giving me, it gets me to think. So there was a post on there earlier this week and it was talking about Vince Carter, and it was talking about his 1999 Topps Chrome Refractor PSA 10. So this is an angle that I hadn't considered, and I haven't really thought much about what I'm going to do with this, but I think it's just worthy to talk about and make note of. So on October 27th, 2019, the 98 Topps Chrome Refractor PSA 10 sold for $1,080 in October of last year. This past week on 719-2020, this card sold for 
$9,087. I think that's obviously in a short amount of time, a substantial jump for a player that comes out of a, you know, top set, right? That's substantial. Okay. And I think the interesting part about that is, is it's kind of one of those things where, you know, market was picking up in between those time frames. I think people started to get sentimental around Vince Carter and his legacy when he was kind of closing out the season in his final game with the Hawks. That is carried over enough into July where people are spending $9,000 on this. So I think there are there's certainly opportunities with guys that still exist and are still playing in the NBA who might see a big bump when they finally set to retire. So like the first guy that I've talked about when I first started the show that's super undervalued, and actually I talked about him at the beginning of the show, is Chris Paul. That is someone from that era and class that one of the greatest point guards of all time. He has got, you know, his tops, tops Chrome, Bowman, those rookie cards. Those things, like to me, they've always been undervalued. And he's going to be hitting the floor. All attention is going to be on the NBA. So Chris Paul might be someone that if you're interested in maybe seeing a future bump like this, you might want to dig into and look at it. I think it's funny. It's like these intersections. You've got the tops era of cards and you've got like this prism era of cards. And it's funny to see them all work together and how it's all shaking out as I think people in the hobby are and smart people in the hobby are you know, not just focusing in on, you know, the prism cards. That's what everyone's focusing in on. But people are trying to get ahead of curves. And what I like to talk about is that. And I think this is something just to take note of and start digging, uh, sinking your teeth in a little bit. Um, I think, you know, the Jordan and I talked about it, but I think, you know, I am starting to evolve a little bit as a collector. And I think, to me, I I do want to continue getting those base prisms in a 10, 9.5 that are really strong cards like Zion and Luca. I think those cards have a place. But I think we should all challenge ourselves to think about how we can think outside the box and not just make it about those cards because you're seeing other alternatives rise in value and price like the Luca mosaic through the roof. It's those cards are just trending upward. So I think places that we can all look to if you're just like, man, I can't afford these rookie cards is look at their sophomore cards. Look at serial number cards in the sophomore year. I think that's a good place to start. I think you even heard Jordan talk about the third year Mahomes uh, silver select that jumped fit, jumped from you know 30 to $60 in a matter of months. I think there are opportunities out there. We just need to open our eyes and start making it happen. All right, let's talk about mail day. Mail freaking day. So back to just what I was talking about. I bought a Luca Mosaic Blue Ref- Reactive Will to Win insert from the Mosaic set, 29 of 99. I ended up getting it for 70 bucks. It was listed at 129. There's a discount. I jumped on and made a best offer and grabbed that card. I think that that mosaic set is going to be a set that is going to just see value for um, time to come. I think 
it is a set that was for a lot of people the first legit basketball set since being back in the hobby. I think Lucas second year cards obviously have a lot of momentum. And that card being serial number, getting it under a hundred bucks, um, that blue reactive is just so kick ass that I'm gonna get that baby slabbed up. Josh Jacobs, another guy I like on the NFL side. I think, you know, John Gruden loves Josh Jacobs. He, he's another year two guy I love. I think Gruden loves him. They're gonna center their offense around him. I told you previously that I've been trying to pick and choose my spots with running backs. Josh Jacobs is one I really like. Next week, I've mentioned this in an episode. I'm going to talk about somebody else I went nuts on. I haven't gotten the cards yet, but I really, really like. So I'm going to talk about that next week. But I bought a Josh Jacobs Prism Blue Wave, 137 out of 199 for 20 bucks. I got it in hand. It's a Gorgeous card. So I'm ex- so excited to see that in a slab. I bought three of his select cards for under $10. That was another steal. And then the other purchase I made was I got a Kyler Prism BGS 9.5. I got that baby for $210. I've done a lot of research and studying on Kyler Murray over the last month. I love his situation with Cliff Kingsbury. I love DeAndre Hopkins, that offense. So I want, I'm going to be watching the cards. So why not put a little money, invest in their future and their quarterback? So on the sales side, I talked about Bull Bull. I talked about that a lot. Some other sales I, I made this week. So I listened to, if you listen to my conversation with Jordan, part one, we talked about, I at the end, I gave him some cards and said, what should I do with these? I took his advice, almost all, but made a little couple changes. So I sold my Josh Allen PSA 10. I bought it for 75, sold it for 228. That's one of those things like I talked about. I just, the, the return was there. I just had to take it. I sold two Kyle Kuzma, red, yellow, optic PSA 10s for 175 I two of those. I bought them for 50 bucks a pop, so $75 profit. And then I sold a Kyle Kuzma Prism Hyper BGS 9.5. I bought it for 70 I sold it for 150 So it's just taking advantage of some of the these market dynamics right now and um, using that money to go then invest in some players that I am looking to buy for the long term. All right, let's get into the bulk of it. So I guess the best place to start, and I talk, to, I talk about this a lot, but my job and what I do professionally is I study markets for a living. I build out go-to-market strategies. I create uh, marketing strategies that are very focused on getting attention, building awareness, driving conversion, and also the back end making sure the customer experience is tied up, consistent with the front and making sure that that experience for the customers is first class and they want to keep coming back for more because they believe in the product and solution. So with that being said, I have in my career professionally been doing what I've, been, I've done in several different markets. So markets like B2B marketing technology, I've worked in corporate security, I've worked in 
public safety. I've worked in retail, retail focused products. I've now it's, I'm working in K-12 education product. So all the products that I've been positioning throughout my career fall in different buckets in different verticals. Now, most of the time when I'm approaching my job, I don't have experience in those verticals. So I need to sink my teeth in and understand and figure out the dynamics of those markets in those verticals and see how they work in order to start building out my plans. It's always my first step of my process. So I think one of the first things that I do is not only talk to our current set of customers because you can gather so much insight and information on market trends, um, motivations and desires of buyers by just talking with your customers. That's a no brainer. But one of the other things I like to do is I like to find people with an audience and um, study what they're doing. I like to study their content. I like to study their process and I like to study their tactics. And the reason why I do this is because for me, it gives me the opportunity to find ways that the companies and solutions I'm working for can begin to position ourselves different than those people. Do the opposite. It's the turn left when the market is going right. I don't want to be doing what someone else is doing because you're not going to get attention. I want to be doing the opposite of what someone else is doing and get the attention. And it's not get the attention of a large group of people. It's get the attention of a subgroup of people who have been waiting for a voice. And so that's very much what I've, what I've been doing since I've been back in the hobby. I've been studying different platforms of people with an audience. I've been under trying to understand and dig in their process and intentions and how they're going to market. And for me, it's been very, very therapeutic and learning how this is happening because it provides and presents opportunities for me on how I can make stacking slabs a community and how I can make stacking slabs deliver content that really matters for a subset of audience within the hobby. And that's what I'm going for. It's all about personalizing my content to fit your needs. And so I don't want this to be, you know, generic. I want stacking slabs to have a purpose. And I think that is something I just wanted to call out before I get into discussions. I really think as I was preparing for this, I was trying to think back and I I don't think about things and talk about things that I don't know because I, I have the confidence in the things that I do know that that's what I flex into. But obviously wrestling is such an important part of my life and it's serious. It, it's funny because it's wrestling, but then it's, you know, it, it is serious to me because there's so many things that I can pick up on, on the wrestling biz and industry because I've been a fan since I was three years old. So I really feel like this this moment here is kind of like my Austin 316 moment. So just to give any background on anyone who has not list, watched wrestling or has no context, I'm going to give build, do a little context building. So back in like 95 timeframe, like Hulk Hogan had left the company. The WWE was trying to figure themselves out. They were, you know, put some attention on Bret Hart. The business was just going down. Bret Hart is, in my opinion, is the best, worker ever. I love Bret Hart, but just there was a dip in ratings, dip in audience. And so the WWE was just trying to figure it out. They were doing things a little dated, like they were still had ridiculous characters. Um, like 
Isaac Yankum DDS and uh, Doink the Clown, which I'm not trying to knock Doink the Clown. I love Doink the Clown, but it was this old school thought that wasn't prevailing. And so ratings were down. People's eyes were on WCW because Hulk Hogan was there. The NWO was forming. And WWE realized that their product had become somewhat vanilla and they didn't really have any like a message or something to stand on that people really wanted to rally around and believe in. And so this quickly changed when the Vince McMahon and the management and Booker or Vince McMahon and creative team decided to give a little more leeway around this Stone Cold Steve Austin character. And I think they had Stone Cold win the King of the Ring. And when Stone Cold won the King of the Ring, he had just historic, historic speech that still lives on today. And he sold millions of dollars in shirts with his Austin 316 uh, shirt. So I'm going to pause and I'm going to let my editor drop in a clip of the Austin 316 speech right here. The fourth prestigious King of the Ring, Stone Cold Steve Austin, an incredible victory. The first thing I want to be done is to get that piece of crap out of my ring. Don't just get him out of the ring, get him out of the WWF. Because I've proved, son, without a shadow of a doubt, you ain't got what it takes anymore. You sit there and you thump your Bible and you say your prayers and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. Come on, that's not necessary. All he's got to do is go buy him a cheap bottle of Thunderbird and try to dig back some of that courage he had in his prime. As the king of the ring, I'm serving notice to every one of the WWF superstars. I don't give a damn what they are. They're all on the list, and that's Stone Cold's list, and I'm fixing to start running through all of them. So if that doesn't give you goosebumps, I'm not sure what will. but. That speech did more for the WWE in a one-minute promo than anything had done in years' time. And what it did is it really ushered in a new era. It resonated with a new demographic of people. It was an alternative. It was something different. People were rallying around a heel or the bad guy because he was representing them. And that's why I love Stone Cold so much and why so many other people love Stone Cold. And it opened a boom period for WWE where they started to be edgy. They started to think outside the box. And this was something that people in the audience were gravitating to. So to me, more or less, this is me letting you all know that this is my Stone Cold moment. And I think it's kind of one of those things where it's like McGrath 316 says, I just turned left because stacking slabs said so. So I think that's something we should all be thinking about is, How can we turn left when everyone else in the market is going right? So let's jump into it. I think one thing, and the the catalyst really for this piece is the number of questions I would get regarding Jeff and the sport card investor and what I thought and what my feelings were about what he was doing. And so what I thought was a good idea based on me setting the stage with some context is just 
share my thoughts and my opinions. And so I, when I jumped back in the hobby, I did what I do with any of the other business or industries I work in professionally. And part of that was I am going to find everybody in the hobby that has an audience and I am going to sink my teeth in and I'm going to be a part of that community and understand how it works and operates and try to figure out what are things that are, where are there gaps? What are things that are happening that don't align with what I'm looking for? Because this is the one thing I do know. I know that there's other people in the hobby like me who love to do the work, love to do the homework, collect cards as a kid, are love sports. They see business opportunities, but they want putting on their nostalgia goggles. I understood this quickly as I jumped in the hobby. So for me, it was really framing up what was currently happening and where are there, where are there some gaps at stacking slabs um, fills? So to me, like I'm a music guy, I talk about music all the time, and my observations is what was going on in the hobby. It's kind of like FM radio, mainstream music. That it's kind of what's what's out there. It's kind of what everyone's listening to, and you know, it's just there, and people are consuming it. But people don't, I guess, aren't really questioning. Like, okay, like is this actually the best music or is this just kind of what's out there and what's being presented to me? And so for me as a music fan, that's something I, I've always dug into is I'm, I'm always like, man, there's all these amazing groups and amazing bands that exist that just don't have the financial resources to get their name out. And so for me, I love independent music for that because I'm a fan of music. And so I dig, dig into it. So I think like the, the big thing for me is like, this is a big platform that Jeff has built with Sport Car Investigator. No knock on what he's doing. It's actually quite incredible. And like my hat really goes off to him and his team in order to organize and build around what he's building and growing. And no knock on that. I think it's just quite incredible. But for me and what we're doing on Stacking Slabs, it's been more like, all right, hey, let's go play at the club in front of our, those, you know, 50 to a hundred fans that know all the words of our song and love our stuff and really personalize our messaging to those people. So here's some quick hits on what my observations are on with what Jeff's doing. So I think first and foremost, he loves cards. I think that's undeniable. He wouldn't be doing all of this if, if he didn't have a true passion for sports cards. I think I've had a few interactions from with him over the course of the last few months, very responsive. Um, he's just been, um, you know, he's he's got a lot going on, right? He's got several businesses he's running. He's continuing to grow, um, to grow a sport car investor. And I think he's always taken the time to respond. So that's something that I definitely want to call out. I think the one thing we, you all should be looking at first and foremost is that understand that you know, he is a business guy. Like what he's doing is he's creating a business and that is okay. That is 100% okay. Like it is America and we are allowed to start our own businesses. Um, that's certainly, certainly fine. But I think the one thing, you know, I've observed definitely is just the process is from people entering his audience is that it is a funnel. Like I am a marketer. I work in funnels. Like what he's he's doing is he's leveraging digital tactics to build awareness for his brand and people that are Google searching and coming in who are trying to learn more about sports cards are landing on his pages and they're entering his funnel. Okay. 
that's happening. I think there's SEO that's happening. So search engine optimization that is driven by content producers in his audience. And here's something. So he's giving away $250 a month to someone who writes an article on their page. Um, but those that to me is an ROI for him, which isn't a bad thing, but this is something just to call out. So these people are driving his SEO through basically free content on his side and people are finding sports card investor when they're coming back into the hobby, Google searching, and they're landing on his page to learn more and entering his process. That's digital marketing 101. Just calling that out, that's happening. So he's got a team behind him that is you know, responsible for highly produced content and that he's delivering on a regular basis. No matter what, it takes a lot of work to do what they're doing and to keep the business running. So I think that's something that certainly should, should be taken note of. I think for me, it's once you enter the funnel, and I will say I was in the funnel. I was a member of Sport Card Investor. I was a part of that community. I was studying what was happening. And some of the things that are offered are, you know, what's free is a Discord group that, again, it's an opportunity to be in the funnel, understand that there's a paid subscription, there's a market movers tool where you can track, you know, cards and investments. I never bought, I never subscribed to market movers. My brother had, I bit in and looked at it. I dug in a little bit over it over the course of the last month or so. I will say I prefer card ladder, but it's good that there's options and alternatives. But yeah, so there's the Discord group. He's got Facebook groups. There's just a lot of people. And it's to me, it's like, it's the platform. It's the big audience. It's the, instead of going and playing at the club, um, which is the hi-fi down the street for me, it's the go play at the amphitheater uh, that's going to, you know, host 60,000 people. There's a lot of people and a lot of people trying to figure out what's going on. A lot of people trying to learn from others. There's a lot of great people in there, people that are taking their time, that are um, you know, sharing their insights. And um, I got to shout out Ziggy No. Ziggy No and I met in the um, Sport Card Investor group. He's got his own group that you should go check out on Facebook. It's Ziggy's Underground. There's a lot of great people within that community um, like Ziggy that you can lean on. But then there's a lot of noise too. There's so many people that there's so much back and forth. And for me, I quickly realized that in my learning and understanding that there was so much noise coming from that Discord group. It was something that I wasn't necessarily getting value from. So I kind of took a step back and was like, you know what, I'm going to take a pause on this because I wasn't really getting much value. And this is me personally from my perspective. So the other things that I was paying for that kind of go against the grain of what I talk about on Stacking Slabs, but are, you know, you've got the trending cards and the card pick of the week. I think for me, this is where it's like, all right, you've got this reactive data that's going on based on eBay sales. And so we're going to talk about these and we're going to create content where we talk about these. And then people are going to go hit affiliate links to go buy these cards and then those cards are going to jump. I think that's the thing with a person like Jeff, where he's got a, a big audience that, you know, he's got this business, he's creating content, he's tracking these cards through his tool, 
And for me, it's these cards pick of the week aren't picks of the week for me because I try to think about things three steps before they would even be considered a pick of the week. So that for me was, okay, well, I get what he's doing here, but like for me, I'm not going to talk about picks of the week or, or hot cards or trending cards. I'm going to talk about like things that I'm observing in the hobby that no one else is talking about. So while I'm trying to turn left while the market is turning right, everybody who's following Jeff is turning right. And so everybody is going, not everybody, but people are going up and buying those cards. And um, then, you know, the, the prices are elevating and then, you know, the cards eventually crash. So that's just something that I think I've observed based on what, what's going on in that group and, and what's happening. And I think reactive data, like, like I said before, there's different streams of content and they all have the place. Reactive data to me is more like, all right, flipping advice and flipping content. Like, go buy this card. Or here's my, before I send this email out to everyone, so everyone's going to see it, you pay more so you get this email out early and then go buy this card and then everyone else is going to buy this card and then you're going to buy this card, get in at this number so then you can go flip it when everyone else is. That to me is just not what I want to be doing. And so that's, that's where what they're doing and what I'm doing is, is, is different. So I think for me, the fun parts about the hobby is not relying on someone else to share what they're doing or trending cards or cards pick of the week. Like for me, it's doing the work and sharing the work and definitely giving the why behind it. And I think like that's my feeling. So my feelings in the punchline is that I think there's a place for what Jeff is doing. He's got a monster audience and a monster platform. Know that he's trying to run a business that he's trying to get all of his subscribers to use this tool. He talks about his tool all the time. It's everywhere. He shows it everywhere. It's like product marketing, like just in your face 24 um, seven. Not for me. I, I think, you know, there's a lot of people that are members of his community and are going to continue to be members. And I definitely encourage that. It's our job in the hobby to pick the flavor of ice cream that we like the best. I had ice cream on Friday. I went to the ice cream shop with my mask on. They had like 12 flavors. I looked at the one. I said, that one's called Graham Cracker Central Station. I love Graham Crackers. I love Graham Crackers because it reminds me of being by the fire, eating s'mores. Give me that Graham Cracker Central Station. It was so good and so tasty. I'm going to continue to go back and get that same flavor because I know that flavor scratches an itch for me. So that's what you all should be thinking about when you're consuming content and delivering the hobby. Got nothing but respect for what Jeff's been doing in the game he's running. It's really admirable. He's he's building a really big business and, and kudos and hats off to him. But what I will say, there are a lot of bad actors. Bad actors. So there's these people on YouTube that have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. They're trying to be YouTube famous. They're trying to manipulate and take advantage of the market. They're trying to get people to join their Patreon so they can shill terrible, horrible, bad picks. It's disgusting. And the reason why it's disgusting is because there are children that are exposed to this, okay? Children that are doing what kids do. They get on the internet and they get on YouTube and they're into cards and they fall into these traps of these idiots who have no idea what they're talking about. And yes, I will double down on this. Idiots. And I am so passionate to work with people like Andy, who's a sports card investigator, 
to bring awareness to these people that are doing bad and they are doing bad. And I have no time for that, especially if you are a kid who has a love for the hobby and you're trying to learn more and you fall into these trap. And the next thing you know, you're paying $9.99 a month on your credit card, or your dad, mom's credit card for a bunch of garbage. Like that is trash. Like, and so I think I point people back to Andy, the sports card investigator. I point people back to go watch his last episode. He asked the questions that we all should be asking these people when we're consuming their content. Why are they on YouTube? Do they share their research? Do they explain their process? Are they consistent? Are they buying the cards they are selling? Do they sell memberships for picks? Do you trust them? Those are all questions. And we all as a community need to be vigilant around this. I am so excited that people are finally getting behind this topic or talking about it because we need to take these people down. This is the takeover. This is stacking slabs saying, I am ready. I got my pitchfork out. I want to take down these bad actors. These people have self-interest at heart and what they're offering has zero to no value. And it is bogus. It is a sham. There's no regulations in the sport card hobby. And I spend so much damn time on this that I can't put up with it and tolerate it anymore. So you're going to hear a voice on Stacking Slabs. It's going to come from Brett McGrath and it's going to say, everyone, start calling these people out. The best way you can do it is go in their comment sections, tell them they don't know what they're talking about because you know what you're talking about. If you're listening to Stacking Slabs and you're following some framework and things that I'm talking about, you know what you're talking about. And I think that is just really, really important. So stick to that. I appreciate you finding the alternative. I appreciate you listening to Stacking Slabs. It means so much to me, but it is. I am dedicated to work with you all and get feedback on all of these people that are bad actors because I don't have time for that. I don't have time for people that aren't educating people that are spending their hard-earned money back in the hobby. I don't have time for people that are taking advantage of kids who are trying to find their place in the hobby. It's bogus. And this YouTube crap has to stop. And I'm here right now saying I'm dedicated to doing whatever I can to bring these dudes down because they're bad dudes. Let's go. All right. What a way to close out. Man, I am fired up. I haven't even had a bang yet. How about that? Definitely. I respect and appreciate everyone tuning in. Everyone's always got to have an open mind. Everyone's got to respect everyone else. When people are disrespecting other people, that's when we got to say something. Thank you so much for being a part of the Stacking Slabs community. I really appreciate that. Definitely hit the subscribe button. Follow me on all my social channels. I do appreciate that. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Take care of your home. Take care of other people's around you. Enjoy sports. Happy collecting. Happy investing. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you